get situated. Good morning, church. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Daniel Samogi, and I'm part of the North Campus ministry over here. Yes. I'm a senior at Cal State Fullerton. I'll be finishing up school this fall with a degree in criminal justice. Um, but before that, you know, I was in Metro LA for, you know, 21 years of my life, moved here two years ago. Now I'm here preaching the word with, with these amazing interns over here, my brothers in Christ, Chris and Adon. So it's definitely exciting to do so. Um, so before we get into the lesson, let's go to God in prayer. Um, God, just thank you for this morning. God, I just come to you um, just feeling a lot right now, God. Uh, one of those kind of being nerves, not going to lie, God. But God, I truly pray that you just calm my nerves and the guy's nerves down, God. I just pray also that you just remove us today as, uh, you know, you don't hear our word, God, but your word, God. And that you could use us as an instrument to uh, touch everyone in this room. God, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as you see, the title is Living in the Presence of God. So I want to ask you this. Have you ever seen a room light up the moment a famous person has walked into it? All right, think about it. There is something intangible, yet very real about their magnetism, their larger-than-life persona. Maybe charges you, maybe changes you. It makes you want to capture even a momentary smile for them. And for me... I got to meet a few years ago my favorite basketball player ever. Brace yourself, basketball fans and Laker fans. <laughs> that is point guard of the Los Angeles Lakers, Russell Westbrook. And I know some of you Lakers fans right now are probably not liking me because he's my favorite base, ba uh, basketball player. But I got to meet him uh, back in my job in El Segundo. And man, we were, all my coworkers and I, we were just excited. We were like, oh my goodness. Russell Westbrook is in our restaurant right now. Oh my, like, we started getting nervous, like, taking his order. We were just shaking and everything. And yet, that is, I just want to compare this. Like, I'm not saying Russell Westbrook is God or Jesus whatsoever. But that is an inadequate picture of what sometimes, not always, to be like in the presence of God. You know, there is a lot to unpack here when we talk about being in the presence of God, living in the presence of God. And there are many truths about God's presence taught in Scripture. But if there is one thing I want all of us to walk away with today is that God is with you through the fire. All right? Now, if you turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3, I know Kyle and Jasmine read it this morning, so we're just going to stay in Daniel chapter 3, all right? So we're going to go to, um, I'm just going to give you a little context for those who may have not, um, you know, listened to chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar just built an image of gold to, uh, to have all the Babylon, uh, Babylonians worship all right? And if you did not decide to worship that image, you will be sent in the furnace. And yet there was three men who decided not to follow the king's order. So we'll pick up in verse 17. And it says, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, this Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, I love their response to the king. We do not need to defend ourselves. You know, they knew that God could deliver them. He could deliver them from the furnace, but he didn't have to. God saved them from the furnace, or if God allowed them to die, either way, they were delivered from King Nebuchadnezzar's hands. Now, what perspective? 
as they were going through this trial, they knew God could deliver them from death by fire. But if he did not, they were delivered out of all sufferings in this world. To live is to follow God, and to die is even better because we get to be with God. Right, that right there is living in the presence of God. Knowing that God is still good even when things do not go our way. We're going to skip down to verse 23 now. It says, And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Now we have Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. That's three men who were thrown into the furnace. And yet King Nebuchadnezzar sees four. Church, I believe this was Jesus with them in the fire. Just imagine the joy these men felt for not dying because God shows up and not only saved them from the flames, but physically shows up with them in the fire. I imagine him just telling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just like, guys, I am so proud of you for just believing in me and trusting me. You know, and because of that, they have found God with them presently in the furnace. You know, God didn't have to save them. You know, and earlier in the scripture, it mentions how the king ordered the furnace to be seven times hotter, and the soldiers lifting the men died. So God didn't save them by having the soldiers die, them rolling away, untied, uh, escaping Babylon. No. He was with them in the furnace, present with them. They trusted God and found him present with them. So not only did God save them in the fire, but not even a single hair was scorched. Now, I am a person who does not like to cook, but when I decide to cook and I turn on the gas stove, the, the flame sometimes, sometimes burns the knuckle hair on me. <laughs> so not... <laughs> But not even a single hair was scorched from them. And not only that, they didn't even smell like smoke. We just had a bonfire for campus. And I came home smelling like smoke. They didn't even smell like smoke, you guys. God protected them from everything. So what can we learn from this? You know, I believe that whenever we read the Bible, we should always ask, what can we learn about God? What can we learn about ourselves? How can we apply it? And what we learn can be summed up in verse 25. And it says, look... I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. And that brings me to my point that God is with us through the fire. And one of the main things when it comes to trials is that Satan wants us to feel like we are alone. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys. There was a point in my life where I definitely felt alone. You know, back in December of 2019, my father had a stroke, and it was right before Christmas, so I just remember, you know, spending Christmas in the hospital with my dad, who's in a coma, who's unconscious, spending the new year with him, unconscious, and then a week after, you know, having to pull the plug on my dad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I was just thinking about all those times where, you know, that point in my life where, you know, that fire being in the furnace, I was getting scorched, guys. It, 
it was tough for me to wanting to trust God, to live my life for him. And I feel like, you know, during that time, I had that lone Christian mindset where I had to do things on my own. And unlike, you know, trusting, and I'm like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I, like I said, was scorched. But with that, when it comes to trials, I really... We really need to be put with uh, people in our lives, partners like Sharik, Meshach, and Bendigo, who can help you find God. And during that time, a lot of people in Metro and churches uh, across California definitely helped me and my family during that time to really just put our trust back in God. So we need to trust God, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They trusted God and found he was with them right there. And God did not stop the trial or the furnace, just like how God didn't stop my dad from passing away. But he was with them through the trial. And I believe God was with me and my family through that trial so that Satan did not have his way on us. So like Satan didn't have his way on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Satan wants these trials to harm us, to scorch us, but God is with us. Isaiah 43, verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. This is the great theme of Scripture, is that God created us to be with him. He wants to be with us. And he wants us to know that he is living in our presence. Thank you, church. What's going on, guys? (laughs) So I'm here, and I'm so excited and pumped to be here today to deliver God's word to you guys. You know, it's pretty cool because, you know, I got two other godly men right behind me, so I feel like we're Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego out here, you know? (laughs) And after some minor resistance, um, they all agreed with me that I get to be Shadrach. Um, But a little bit about myself. My name's Chris, in case you all didn't catch it. Um, from, from, from everyone else screaming my name. And I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And that's a little bit of my, of my, of my homeland right there. That's the, city that, that's the city that I went to high school in, all those formative years. And we call it the quirky Albuquerque. Well, at least I do, because we're a little quirky out there. You know, we're, we're in the Rocky Mountain region of churches. So when we go to retreats and stuff like that, we, we get to go with the Denver church, the Salt Lake City church, you know, some, some of the New Mexico, stuff like that. And Albuquerque, our ministry, we always feel like the weird cousin, you know, at a family gathering. So that's a little bit about myself, in, in case you're wondering. And so today, I'm going to be speaking about living under God's authority. And so the message, as you saw earlier, was, is titled, God is the king. He's not a king. He's not lowercase the king, but he's the king. And so we're going to be in Daniel 3. If you guys want to turn there, follow along. I'll be reading it out of the contemporary English version. A little biased here, but that's my favorite version, and I think it's the best version, but just to, just to spice some things up there for you guys. And so while you guys turn there, I'm, let's talk a little bit about authority and how we give it to, to certain people. I think about it, and if you're in a household, right, and you need to 
and, you, and you're like a kid, and you need to ask your mom or your dad, and you're like, I, I want to go over to a friend's house, or I want some friends over. And so you go to mom, and mom says no. She's like, no, absolutely not. What's the, what's the next thing you do immediately as a kid? You go ask your dad, right? <laughs> and then your dad says yes, hopefully, usually. Um, and, and you get to go to the friend's house. And so we, even as kids, split our authority. We choose whose power that we want to be under and whose authority we want to follow, either moms or dads, and it's really whatever best suits us, right? And so I'm going to talk about three men who did not have any split in any authority. And so this, we're picking up this story after, after Nebuchadnezzar gave the decree to build this giant golden statue and said, everyone bow down to him. And he found out that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were like, no, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And so, this is, so let's pick up the story right here. And it reads, now I'm giving you one more chance. If you bow down and worship the statue, when you hear the music, everything will be all right. But if you don't, you will at once be thrown into a flaming furnace. No God can save you from me. The three men replied, Your majesty, we don't need to defend ourselves. The God we worship can save us from you and your flaming furnace. But even if he doesn't, we still won't worship your gods and the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar's face twisted with anger at the three men, and he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual. So Nebuchadnezzar is the most powerful man on earth at this time. He ruled most of the known world um, in their area. So nobody said no to Nebuchadnezzar, because if they did, they got killed. Or they got thrown into a furnace, in this case, as Daniel was saying earlier. But Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego had no doubt who the ultimate authority was, and that is God. Because God very clearly says in their scriptures that they had at the time, do not bow down to idols. Only worship and bow down to me. And that's all, that's all these three guys needed to hear to say, no, we're not going to do that, Nebuchadnezzar. They were secure in their convictions before God. Because to them, and even to us in the modern day, God is the king. And so we don't have anyone like Nebuchadnezzar wandering this earth. We don't have anyone who rules most of the known world. Like there's over 200 country, independent countries right now. But we still split our authority and give power to others, to ourselves, to money, to joy, to pleasure. And we give, our, we give the powers to these things thinking that, you know, oh, if people, are, if people like me, if I'm loved by everyone, then I will be fulfilled. Or if I make all this money and have security for my family, I'm going to be fulfilled. Or if I travel the world and go do all these great and amazing things, I'll be fulfilled and I'll be just fine. But when we split our authority away from God, this leads us to insecurities. This leads us to thinking about, oh, how do I look? 
This leads us to thinking, oh, I'm scared. People don't like me. This leads to worrying about bills and where, and where money's going to come from. This leads, to just em- this leads to just emptiness from trying to seek after joy, but it just being a fleeting moment. But when we put our authority in God, we know what he says. God says you are loved. You are cherished. You are in a family of churches that will love you and die for you. Why are you afraid of how people like you? Because God loves you. God says you created just how he wanted to create you. God says he's going to take care of you if you follow him. God says he's going to give you joy, fulfillment, and a purpose. So why is our authority split? When we listen to God, he gives us all these things. All these other things in this world are just Satan's schemes trying to divide our authority and have God's kingdom be a split household. But when God is the king, we should be the most secure people on earth. There's a scripture that Kyle right here told me about um, a few weeks ago on a completely unrelated note, but I, I think it really ties into this idea so turn to your Bibles, John 12. And while you, while you guys turn there, I'm going to tell you a story about when God wasn't the authority in my life. So it was about two years ago. This was during COVID, and I was a student. And everything went online, and honestly, I hated academics. I, I never really wanted to do well in school or some because I was just lazy. But at the same time, I wanted to be liked by people. I wanted to earn people's love. And I feel like I needed to put up this, this image or put up this facade of myself in order for people to love me or to value me. I, I craved close and secure relationships. And so when COVID and everything went online, this gave me an excuse to be lazy and to fail my classes. And so that's what I did. But instead of being open about it, I'm like, oh no, this could be a blemish on my, on my image. This could cause people not to like me. This could cause, you know, this or that. And so I lied about it. I said, yeah, I'm doing fine in classes. I'm doing okay. And I lied about it for about a year and a half, failing, withdrawing classes. And what this ended up doing as I tried to protect my image, as I tried to use this to to build deeper relationships, this just ended up putting a wedge between me and the people I loved and the people I valued. And whenever I came clean about it, whenever I started putting God as my authority in this area of my life, saying, I'm going to be honest, and I'm not going to worry about how people view me, I'm just going to be myself, then God moved. And I feel like people love me, and I'm even closer to people now. And so let's look at John 12 here. It says, There is a judge for the one who rejects me, And does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. God is the King. These are the words directly from Jesus. And so, like it or not, God is the ultimate authority. There's no question about it. 
We, get, we just have to choose to live like it or not. This world isn't split. This is not a split household. God is the king. And so when we choose not to live like that, when we choose to split our authorities, then we really experience all these insecurities and all these things because God did not create us to live like this. And so my challenge for you guys today is to find one thing that you're insecure about. Find something that you're worrying about. Find something that's bringing you fear. And go into the scriptures and really, and really look what God says about it. And pray that you put him as the number one authority in that area of your life. And maybe you're visiting with us today. Maybe you're, this is the first time you've ever walked into a church before. And so I really encourage you, talk to the person who invited you. Because there's freedom through God from anything that you might fear. If we ever have trouble letting go of these things, remember, guys, God is the king. And so let's live like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego and never question his authority. Thank you, guys. Good morning, church. <laughs> I hope everyone's feeling encouraged. Um, my name is Adan Cáceres, and I am part of the Spanish ministry here in OC North. Yes. <laughs> Para todos los que hablan español. Um, I moved here to the, to the ministry around six months ago. And I, oh, okay, one second, there you go. <laughs> okay, so I moved to this ministry around six months ago, and I came from the ministry of Long Beach, and I grew up in that ministry. I got reached out by a guy named Victor, I don't know if you guys know him, but for those that don't know me, I came in 2014, when I was 14, and I will say this, English is not my first language, but please bear with me. Uh, today, I actually have the honor to talk a little bit about living for the glory of God. And I want to ask all of us a question, which is, what does it look like to you to live for God's glory? And I want us to think about this for a second and meditate on, maybe you know someone that lives for the glory of God. Maybe... You look up to someone that lives for the glory of God and you try to be like them and you want to strive to be like them. How does that look like to you? Well, today we're going to dive into some scriptures about how to live for the glory of God. And before that, I want to share this. There's a, the word, the word uh, glory in Hebrew is kavod, which means the physical manifestation of God's significance. In other words, God's presence. And as Dan was saying, as Daniel was saying, God's presence is always with us when we go through the fire. And I want to read the same scripture that we're reading on chapter 3, verse 16 to verse 18. And it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to, able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods 
or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And in verse 26 to 27, it says, So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Before anything, I thought about your question, Chris. What's one of the insecurities that I have? being here, speaking in front of everyone. But I'm doing it for the glory of God. And I just want to say that these guys had the convictions of the best. The fact that they knew they were going to die and be put into the fire, into the blazing furnace, and say, you know what? We'll do it. We'll stick to that. That's insane. I like to say, holy smokes. That's crazy. Um, they stood up against the most powerful man on the planet at that point, as he was saying. He was ruling all the nations, but they did it because they knew they were serving the most high God. And the main point I want to communicate with you this morning is that God did not stop the fire for them. God did not change the king's mind. Why would he allow this to happen? Why would God not stop that to happen for them? They were serving. They were serving God. They were literally living their lives for God, doing everything that they could to give him glory. And this happens. Have you been in that place before where you're doing everything right and you're trying to do your best for God, but things just keep on happening and bad things come to your life and you're like, why? Why is this happening to me? I'm trying my best, God. I believe 100% that we will have to go through fires. And I want to share a story that I experienced and felt like fire for me. It was around when I started studying the Bible in 2016, and this guy named Victor, as I was saying, the one that reached out to me, we started studying the Bible, and I think it was two months into the studies. I I was so excited. I was so pumped about getting to know God and feeling so in love with him, changing every habit that I had, getting my grades up from straight Ds to straight up straight A's, and one day I came home, and my mom and my stepdad, uh, they were drinking, and I had never seen this before in my life. I saw my mom being physically abused, and in front of me, when that happened, I, I didn't know how to react, and I didn't know how to respond to that. Should I protect my mom? Should I just stay where I'm at, not do anything because I'm following God? I was shaking. I was so afraid. And I decided to grab a skateboard, and I hit my stepdad on the head, and he got knocked unconscious to the ground. I called the cops because I didn't know what to do. I was so afraid, and I remember I started feeling fear, and I started feeling like God had abandoned me. I started feeling like God was not there with me. I started going through the fire, and I was like, where are you, God? I thought because I was following you, because I, because I was doing everything right, you were going to be here with me, but it doesn't, feel, it doesn't feel that way. I went to the house after I, call, I called the cops, and I cried out to God saying, why are you allowed this to happen? Why is my mom getting punched in the face in front of me? My little sister on her arms, as she's two years old, seeing everything, and I don't know what to do. How could this glorify God? How is this God's glory? 
Where is he? In that moment, I knew I had two choices. One of them was to get better to God, towards God, and the other one was to have faith and hope that things will change and things were going were gonna to get better. The next day, two brothers from the church came to my school because it, was, because it was my birthday and they wanted to encourage me. It was going to be hard for me to feel encouraged by anything at that point. I remember they came and they were like, man, we have something to encourage you and we want to take you out to eat. And I'm like, sweet. I love that. Thank you so much, guys. But I shared with them how I was feeling, what I was going through. And they immediately decided to go to my mom's house and show her love, pray with her, and encourage her. After two months of knowing these guys, they didn't know my mom. They barely knew me. And they decided to come and love my mom. When I saw that, I knew I wasn't alone. I knew that God had not abandoned me. And there's a kingdom. And we have a kingdom now. Seeing my mom cry out of joy that these people are loving her, that she has support, just made me feel so encouraged. And it motivated me to think, I want to be like that. I want to give God the glory for this. Even if it's painful, even if it's fire, I want to live for God. I want to do the same thing these guys are doing. And I decided to commit my life to Christ four months after that and give God the glory for my life. And I want to encourage those that are going through the fire right now. Maybe you're going through the fire financially. Maybe it's your mental health. Maybe it's your physical health. Maybe it's with a relationship. God will display his glory through you, no matter what. Just as he displayed it with me in my life during that moment and called me higher and called me in closer to him, he will through your situation as well. I want to close with this scripture in John 9, 1, 2, 3. Chapter 9, 1, 2, 3. You, don't, you guys don't have to go there. And it says, As Jesus went along, he saw a man who was blind. He had been blind since he was born. Jesus' disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Was this man born blind because he sinned? Or did his parents sin? It isn't because this man sinned, said Jesus. It isn't because his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's power could be shown by what's going to happen. Eventually, Jesus heals him. And God's glory is displayed through him as well. Despite your circumstances, despite your situation, with, despite what you're going through right now, God is working, and he's with you in the fire. And there's glory. Let's imitate the example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, knowing that they weren't doing this for the king. They weren't doing this for Daniel. They weren't doing this for other people. They weren't doing this for God because they knew that it was for God's glory. And I want to share, King Nebuchadnezzar ended up seeing that, and, they were, and he was like, whoa, I want that too. Just as I wanted that when I saw other disciples show love to me and my family, King Nebuchadnezzar was like, you know what? Everyone's going to follow God now. And that's what's going to happen in our lives when we decide to give God the glory. Thank you for letting me share.